Welcome to Challenge Accepted. I'm your host, Stephanie Lucas, a marriage and family therapist by trade and mom to a daughter with hearing loss. I'm creating a space for parents and caregivers of special needs families to find support, validation, and acceptance by sharing stories of a broad range of families with unique challenges. While this isn't therapy and does not replace the advice of a medical provider, we'll dive into the tougher parts of parenting together and join a team of support from others who get it. This next half hour is about you, your experiences, your emotions, and being allowed to take up space as a parent and human being. So hands in, ears on, hearts open team, this is Challenge Accepted. Hi friends. Today I'm chatting with Turi Hoagland as the kickoff of a mini-series I'm doing interviewing all of the parents on our Hands and Voices Guide by Your Side team. Hands and Voices is a nonprofit organization that is formed and run solely by parents of children who are deaf or hard of hearing. The goal of the organization is to offer parent-to-parent, non-judgmental support to help other families navigate the world of childhood hearing loss more easily. Guide by Your Side is a program under that umbrella where parent guides are paired with families who are new to their diagnosis or looking to connect. I came on with the team in October of last year, and it has been so fulfilling to have a space to learn to advocate for the deaf and hard of hearing community, an excuse to hunt down other parents in my area with deaf or hard of hearing kiddos, and an umbrella organization to help me in creating meaningful events for local families. If your family might be interested in this connection, don't hesitate to reach out. There's a space for everyone with chapters in most U.S. states. Terry didn't brag on it too much in the interview, but she is one of the OG founders of the Guide by Your Side program in Oregon. She currently spearheads the segment of our team that assists in educational advocacy, working with the school districts to ensure all kids in Oregon have appropriate accommodations and accessibility. She's our cheerleader and mentor, and I'm so thrilled that she is sharing her story with us today. Take a listen. All right, Terry Hoagland, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon, Stephanie. We know each other already, so it's not a brand new introduction. You and I are on the same Hands and Voices team, correct? We are. (laughs) You've been around a bit longer than I have, huh? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Tell us your story with Hari and kind of what your experience has been as a mom. Well, my story is a little different than most of you that are having your children identified now. My daughter is in her 30s, and now you're finding out almost right away that your child is deaf or hard of hearing through the Early Hearing and Detection Identification Program, which we did not have at the time. I didn't find out that my daughter was deaf until she was 15 months old, and we had to have a sedated automated brain stem test, which now you guys get to just nurse your babies to sleep and they're just sleeping and it's so easy and the information is so much better and you get it so much more quickly, which is totally awesome. Mm -hmm. That being said, we had the most wonderful early intervention specialist um, through our regional program Columbia Regional up here in the Portland area in Oregon. And she just kind of held our hand. We tried to start out with listening and spoken language, but we learned pretty quickly that that wasn't going to be it for her. She was 
a very curious little one. She climbed everywhere. She didn't give up on communication. And we soon found out we were going to need to learn to sign. And it's very intimidating as a parent to have to learn another language that's not your own. I'm still not what I think is really great at it. But through the years, we've learned our own kind of shorthand and we do okay. My daughter has grown up. She was in a center-based program. She is a signing kid. She chooses not to wear her hearing aids very much these days, but she does have a good job. Uh, she works in HR at our local university hospital. She has three college degrees. Wow. She has two bachelors and a master's. Two are from Rochester Institute of Technology and one is from Oregon State. So she's a very successful kid. She also has traveled extensively throughout the world. She's been to over 25 countries now, I think. Her passport has many more stamps than mine does. <laughs> and she's a very a strong, independent young woman who it, and identifies as being a strong, independent, deaf woman. So she is culturally deaf and we celebrate that in our family. I'm not saying that the journey has been easy all the time. It hasn't. At mm -hmm. times it's been very hard, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I look at all of the people that have been put along the way and my tribe that has grown over the years and I wouldn't trade that tribe for anything. Her little community, she had a few girls that we went from EI, early intervention, all the way through, graduated through high school together. So she had her own little community and it was fabulous. And it was multicultural too. So we were, she was very lucky. She is the little blonde girl who had her Asian friend and her, Latino friend. And so they were just this little United Nations all rolled into one. <laughs> and they got to eat ethnic food. And boy, have we eaten well over the years. Through all sure. that. <laughs> yeah, so so many questions. I think I love hearing your story because I think it's so helpful for as parents who are on the earlier side of things to hear just how proud you are of her and how much she's accomplished as an adult. And I know we kind of wonder about those things, like what'll be, what'll be hard or will she be able to do all those things? And I just love when you share how proud you are and all of her accomplishments and, and the things that she's done in life and will probably continue to do. Um, what was it like for you? So you said she was diagnosed at 15 months. Was there a season where it was like, huh, this is weird. Like, what was that experience like for you as a mom, as a brand new mom, right? Um, well, she's our only child. So we noticed she wasn't talking. And then when the blue angels were flying over our, our house and she wasn't really waking up and wasn't startling, it was kind of like, hmm, there's probably an issue here. Yeah. So we weren't surprised when she was diagnosed and there is a history in our family. So it wasn't that surprising. And for us, it was mostly, okay, let's get up and move on. It, we didn't spend a lot of time grieving. 
because we just knew, okay, what do we need to do now? Mm-hmm. We didn't get really stuck in the grieving process, although there have been times over the years where the grieving has come up. Right. Well, do you feel like you wish you had spent more time grieving or that's just kind of not your nature or do you feel like? Um, I didn't have time. At, I, don't, I don't think there was a reason to grieve at that time. And there are just, there are just certain seasons where you might find, oh, well, she something didn't go well or you know it's just life and stuff happens and it's stuff just happens to all of us and it's not just because she's deaf it's just life right life's hard life is hard and that's the way it goes and you know she still got to do the typical thing she played high school volleyball she played high school golf so she played in team sport in an individual sport so it's not like she she took piano lessons she tried dance lessons she didn't like that I mean she she tried everything mm-hmm. what do you feel like was hardest for you kind of through all of that where you maybe had a growth edge or or needed a hand up from a friend or I didn't really need a huge hand up because I had a support system that was kind of built in with her friends and the families that that was that was our support system we had a support system and then our really close friends they just we just brought her along and she was just a part of the package and so our friends kids grew up with her and we just hauled her along everywhere we went it was just like okay you're coming with us and we're going to do that and then she had her good friends and she started having sleepovers when she was five years old so and went to their houses sleepovers and we felt very comfortable so she was and she was flying on an airplane to go see her best friend who moved to arizona at 10 years old she was flying by herself wow Uh, the 90s (laughs) i know (laughs) well that's amazing i think i what i hear from you is that like you just had such good community in that moment that it didn't feel overwhelming or scary or isolating in the same way that a lot of people maybe struggle now. Do you feel like that is a generational difference or do you feel like that was just kind of how your life was in that moment and you were? I think it was kind of how my life was. And I also had a babysitter who learned sign language um, who was not that old, but she was better than most adults who were babysitters. I mean, and she had a family who supported her too. And we were able to actually leave her at home and we could leave overnight with her at a young age too. So we were very lucky in that we had all kinds of people around us that we were very, very lucky about. We just had the right people around us from the start. That's wonderful. Makes such a difference. Do you feel like you were able to, I know Cara identifies as culturally deaf. Did that start pretty young? Did that feel like something you were able to join her with? Or did that feel like kind of how she branched off from you? Um, She kind of branched off, but we also had some wonderful teachers. She, um, She went to a, the Northwest Christian Camp for the Deaf just ended last week, um, which is over at the coast. And one of her teachers was one of the gals that helped to run that. And because of having that immersion once a year, 
there that really really helped her find her identity i think um between that and she went i think she went one summer at camp tololi she didn't like that as much as the northwest christian camp for the deaf and i think it's because most of her friends and her teachers and people that she really identified with were there and she liked being at the beach for camp too so um you know there are all kinds of different reasons why you pick places that you go and you like and because she was so immersed there i think that's part of where she really got her identity yeah absolutely i know you were able to support that at such a young age where she was able to really thrive in such a way well i know you support a lot of parents as a hands and voices guide when did you start that what did that mean for you when you were able to start that what i think that's been almost 10 years now and when we started our guide by your side program here in Oregon and it's just kind of a way of giving back to be able to give families the support that some of the support that I wish we would have had as families when we were growing up the the support um, when we're writing individual family service plans and individual education plans to have that support in there with you rather than you know the blind leading the blind um although i learned early on to ask for everything and you know you can always ask for everything what's the worst they can do is say no and that's kind of where it's at um but we're finding now more and more that um access is the great equalizer and our kids are a little bit different in that they do need the, that access in order for them to thrive and they have a right to be able to thrive just like any hearing child as long as, and if they have access, they can, and they can soar to great heights if they can. Yeah, I love that. And I think that your story and your testimony is such a such an example of that, that you can carry that into all of the advocacy that you do, for sure. What would you say to a parent who is maybe new in their diagnosis or feeling kind of like, there's swimming alone in the ocean out there. To reach out to another parent who's been there, because what we will do is say, we know it's hard right now. And especially with littles, the days are long, but the years are short. And it will, even though it's dark at times, the sun does come out tomorrow as annie says <laughs> and it there it always it gets to be okay sometimes it's not always you know rainbows and unicorns but it does turn out to be okay and so as long as it's going to be okay and that's all we want is for our kids to be okay and emotionally happy mm -hmm. and being being okay do you feel like you and Randy had a different experience in terms of adapting? And do you feel like you were pretty much on the same page? I think we were kind of on the same page that we wanted. Well, we always told her she was going to go to college. She didn't have an option in that. We <laughs> told her that, that that's not an option. So you have to go to college. And when she was in high school, she really wanted to go to culinary school. And we told her, no, you have to go to college first. And then she <laughs> kind of decided in college, well, maybe culinary school is not such a good idea. So, um, but you know, that's what college is for is to figure those things out. And, um, 
and one of the things that Hands and Voices says is that we want to raise WASCs, Well-Adjusted Social Kids. That's our acronym. <laughs> and that's what I have done is a well-adjusted social kid. Well, she's a WASA now, well-adjusted social adult. <laughs> um, but that's what we want is we want them to be and so that they can tell us their hopes and their dreams and there's nothing wrong with dreaming big and that's what I always tell parents is you can dream big there's nothing wrong with dreaming big yeah I love that I think that's so true when we're first in those early stages we're like are all my dreams crushed or are they fine but we'll just get there a different way or We've just taken that detour from Italy to Holland. We have, yeah. <laughs> I love that poem. It's a great one. I read it in one of my earlier mini-sodes, I believe. Any other thoughts that you have for families who have a kiddo, maybe who's not even deaf or hard of hearing, but maybe have a new diagnosis or are kind of struggling with a medical needs kid and feel like... Um, they're trying to figure out how to get through. How have you gotten through those harder moments? Information, you know, and make sure that it's good information. There's, you know, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. So, <laughs> so true. You know, make sure that wherever you're getting your information is a reliable source, because oftentimes we find that people get some kind of bizarre information. And so you want to make sure that your that the information you're getting is coming from a reliable source. And if you're looking for places to find information, go to reliable people that you know can get you good information that is good and reliable. Well, as our cheerleader, do you want to do the uh, hands and voices plug for what we can offer to people who are interested? Well, what we can offer is we can offer some family connection. We try to offer um, family events throughout our state. We also offer advocacy support with your, the schools, no matter if you're birth to three, three to five, or school-age kids. And I will put in a big plug for our family camp that is gonna be early November, which we're really excited to do, which will be in person. Um, if you can just come to Eugene for the day, but we really want you to come and spend the night because it's really fun when we get to spend the night. A lot of connections happen then, and it's really, really fun. And those connections last for a really, really long time. So I really hope that people can come. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be awesome to see, see you there and see everybody and make those family connections that we're so supportive for you growing up with Kari and mm -hmm. continue to be, in fact. I love them. I love the family connections. That's what it's all about. Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much for your time, my dear. Sorry, I biffed that exit, y'all. Thank you so much to Terry for sharing her story. I think the stories of parents whose kids are adults can be so powerful. Our culture has shifted so rapidly over the last 30 years with internet, social media, and improved access for people with disabilities to share their experiences and self-advocacy. In the world of hearing loss, a lot has changed medically too. It is a lot to keep up with, and I love that Turi's story highlights the timeless truths that community and inclusion are what build us up and fuel our successes. 
I hope that what we shared today might inspire you to reach out and build some more community for yourself. If Hands and Voices is an organization that might serve you, know that we're ready and willing to connect with you. If you are on a different path, I encourage you to seek out a support system. Practice the vulnerability of explicitly asking for mentors and offer a hand to a parent who may be just one step behind you. You are a valuable link in the chain that supports us all. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I hope it was inspiring and encouraging for you in your journey. If you enjoyed it, I love it if you could share it with your friend, subscribe for future content, and leave us a five-star review. This will help us grow our reach so others can join our community of support. If you would like to share your unique story with the Challenge Accepted community, feel free to reach out to me on social media, Stephanie Lucas MFT, on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for being a part of our team. 